sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after live here on this Monday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's SportsGrid, and I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday morning to start off a new week. We look back first on the Saturday that was, week number seven in college football, one of the best Saturdays we had for the entirety of this season. And oftentimes in life, as you get excited for something, whatever it might be, sports or otherwise, and you set high expectations for it, they rarely live up to that hype. That was not the case on Saturday in college football. Exciting, dramatic games across the entire country. Six ranked versus ranked top 25 tilts, including the marquee of them all. Rocky Top, my home sweet home, you will forever be. And for number six, Tennessee, against number three, Alabama, on Saturday, that was certainly the case. Let's party like it's 2006 and puff those victory cigars once again because the Volunteers snap a 15-game losing skid to the Alabama Crimson Tide, and they win late against Bama, 52-49. What a football game it was on Rocky Top, down to the final seconds, a 40-yard field goal that did not look pretty, but oh, it was so beautiful. And again, the first win for Tennessee over Alabama in more than a decade and a half. They were puffing victory cigars. They took down the goalposts inside Neyland Stadium. Knoxville was a scene on Saturday, and rightfully so. When you can pull off the upset as an eight-and-a-half-point underdog, and Tennessee sees their odds to win the SEC and the national championship improve. It was a huge victory for the then sixth-ranked Volunteers, but now they're number three in the country. So we look at the SEC title odds as Bama falls back. Ohio State is the favorite right now from that national championship perspective, but Tennessee needs that credibility and has earned the right to be up there at 20 to 1. They move up from 35 to 1 where they were prior to the start of this weekend. Bama moves up by 10 or excuse me, Georgia moves up by 10 cents. Bama was plus 220 entering the game on Rocky Top on Saturday. They fall back to plus 450 and they fall back in the polls as well. Tennessee, now the number three team in the country, trading places with Alabama, who moves back to number six. Georgia remains the number one team in the country. They cover as a 38.5-point favorite against Vanderbilt on Saturday. Ohio State had the week off. Michigan, a big victory over Penn State, 41-17. And Clemson hangs on in Tallahassee against Florida State. They move back, though. They were number four entering the weekend. Michigan trades places with them. So that's what the AP poll looks like because we had so many ranked versus ranked matchups. Of course, there was going to be many changes within the top 10. Bama, though, outside of the top five for the first time since the 2019 season. TCU now ranked eighth in the country inside the top 10. An outstanding double overtime game against Oklahoma State with a Horned Frog storm back late in that second half. USC loses on the road as a three and a half point underdog to Utah. The Trojans do cover. 
they're now ranked 12th outside of the top 10. So many, many changes within that AP top 25 and certainly within the top 10. A welcome quickly to our Sports Grid radio audience. Your hour number two of the morning after live right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. So week number seven was sensational in college football. Week eight is going to be great as well. Every weekend now, every Saturday, is going to have those meaningful implications for a conference championship race and potentially a spot in the college football playoff. And with USC losing to Utah on Saturday night, the Pac-12 has some chaos brewing. And as the odds indicate, a top 10 tilt inside Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon on Saturday might cause even more chaos and havoc for the Pac-12 conference we have Oregon ranked 10th now in the country against number nine UCLA both teams coming off a bye and the Ducks currently a six-point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook at home for this top 10 tilt and look at that total 70 and a hook both of these teams are at 50 to 1 to win the national championship right now on FanDuel the best odds for teams in the Pac-12 they remain probably the best shot of the Pac-12 to get to the college football playoffs, something this conference has not done for five consecutive seasons. There are now just nine unbeaten FBS teams left, including UCLA and two teams in the ACC. Clemson, now ranked fifth in the country, and the Syracuse Orange, now number 14 in all of the nation. Syracuse off to its first 6-0 start to a college football campaign for the first time since 1987. It is the only undefeated versus undefeated tilt that we have on Saturday. Early in Death Valley in Clemson, South Carolina, the Tigers, a 13.5 point favorite against my Orange, but SU, 13-5 against the spread since the start of last year, the third best cover percentage in all of college football quickly here a little bit of nfl news bright and early on this monday morning a significant shakeup in houston the texans parting ways with their executive vice president of football operations in jack easterby the texans were on a bye this past weekend just a single win so far this year and houston entered the year with a four and a half win total it was the lowest number in all of the nfl we get the injury analysis following the sunday slate in the nfl up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com back right here live on a monday morning on the morning after on sports grid and sirius xm channel one 59. Time to look back on the weekend that was. Week number six in the NFL. Look forward to Monday night in Los Angeles between the Chargers and the Broncos. And we get that injury insight and analysis live right here on this Monday on TMA from the pro football doc, Dr. David Chow. Dr. Chow, thank you for joining us live and early on this Monday morning. Good morning. It is great to have you here. Let's go back around the NFL and the Sunday slate. And we'll go back to Sunday night, Doc, in Philadelphia between the Cowboys and the Eagles. I think we can finally put the question to bed. Is Cooper Rush in a quarterback competition with Dak Prescott? I think we got our answer last night. Three interceptions, 
for Cooper Rush at the helm of that Dallas Cowboys offense. The Eagles win 26-17. The Birds remain unbeaten, a perfect 6-0, covering as a touchdown favorite. So, Dr. Chow, now as Dallas looks to get Dak Prescott back into the fold, what do you think the Cowboys are monitoring when it comes to the evaluation of Dak Prescott's thumb on his right throwing hand? <laughs> I think one of the things they monitored was the score last night and the number of interceptions. <laughs> Look, return to play is not binary. It's not like, you know, at five weeks and six days, he can't. At the sixth week, he's 100%. This is the six-week mark. This is what we said the whole time, six-week mark. It's not just about grip and spinning the ball. It's about ball security, strip sack fumbles, being able to follow through and hit a helmet and not worry about refracturing the, the thumb. Look, this is a realistic week for him to play. If Cooper Rush would have won, they probably would have pushed it out a week just because. Why not, right? Get You don't want a re-injury to Dak Prescott. But now everyone's back on board having him come back. And it was interesting, Dak Prescott's own comments afterwards, even though Jerry Jones said, you know, four weeks, no IR. And even though Dak Prescott was saying four to six weeks, he admitted that, it was his timeline that he pushed it up that the doctors never wavered from six weeks, uh, the doctors that did the surgery on him. It will be very interesting to see what Dak Prescott's status is for next Sunday for Dallas. They are currently booked as a seven-point home favorite against the Detroit Lions. And as we focus on that quarterback position, there has been tons of a quarterback carousel of sorts, Doc. In Miami, the Dolphins started Skylar Thompson yesterday. He was knocked out of the game. Teddy Bridgewater cleared concussion protocol, so he suited up and played in that second half for the Finns against the Minnesota Vikings. It was Minnesota getting a victory on the road, covering as a three-point favorite, 24-16. to 16. So, Dr. Chow, of course, Miami has been a focus of that updated concussion protocol due to what has happened with Tua Tungabailoa, Teddy Bridgewater, and what we have seen in Miami. As you understand it, what is the clearing process like to get out of the concussion protocol as of right now? It's the same as before. That hasn't changed. Five-step process. And the final one is after full practice, you go see the UNC for clearance. Uh, and it's usually a different UNC than that one that monitors at the game. And so the interesting thing there is, they started Skylar Thompson like we thought they would, but Teddy was cleared and in uniform and played. And Tua was cleared, but not in uniform and not playing. Tua was cleared ahead of the game. So fully expect a full week of practice for Tua Tagovailoa and Tua to start the next game for the Minnesota Vikings. And of course, in the quarterback carousel game, it was Mitch Trubisky due to performance. It became Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett got a concussion and it would be unusual to have Kenny Pickett back, not only for clearance, but even if he gets cleared, are you really going to put the rookie in who has struggled without a full week of practice? It's back to Mitch Trubisky. And it will be very interesting to see which quarterbacks get the start, Dr. Chow, for Sunday Night Football this upcoming week in week number seven in Miami between the Dolphins and those Steelers. Will it be Mitchell Trubisky versus Teddy Bridgewater? Will it be Mitchell Trubisky versus Tua Tungabailoa? It's a seven-point spread right now. <laughs> I think it will probably be that one as well. Tua getting the start week number seven, and the odds may be reflecting that. It's seven points currently in favor of Miami for next Sunday night in South Beach. Dr. Chow, each and every week, 
you and your team at SICscore.com get ready for the NFL slate by looking at the field view, looking at injuries and how they are going to affect the outcome of the game. It felt that could have been what was going into the spread yesterday between San Francisco and Atlanta. The Falcons win 28-14 outright, booked as a five-and-a-half-point home underdog. And there were so many injury concerns for that San Francisco defense entering the game. So, Dr. Chow, as you evaluate a Sunday slate, how do the injury components and what it might do to the outcome tell you about what we saw yesterday between the Falcons and the Niners? Well, that was our favorite game of the week, uh, high point differential. And also by deltas, what we mean one week to the next, the 49ers were the biggest fallers in their score. They had three defensive players injured last week. There were six out of the 11 starters that weren't starting or playing, including three out of the four on the defensive line. And early on, Ebicom hurt his knee. He stayed in the game. That's four out of four, but he did try and play through. And Traverius Ward then with the groin injury left the game. So what looks like next week for San Francisco, seven potential defensive starters out. Uh, that's going to be a tough road against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And tonight, the Broncos have some injury issues, new ones. Not only Garrett Bowles at left tackle, Ronald Darby, AC. Yeah, Gregory is still out. There's a lot of issues. And Russell Wilson's shoulder, if you believe that shoulder is a big deal, uh, the PRP isn't going to help him. That takes a couple of weeks to kick right. in. I know he's full practice. I know he's going to go. I'm just saying, if you believe the shoulder was what causes the bad performance, look for another bad performance this time. If you believe it was just bad decision-making and other things and scheme of the game, he could make a bounce back. Yeah, that injured lat, something to keep an eye on for Russell Wilson, not having his blindside blocker in Garrett Bowles probably doesn't make things any easier. As we look at Monday Night Football, Dr. Chow, a four-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Chargers at home in L.A. You give us the field view for the Broncos' offense. What about on the other side for the Chargers? Might we see Keenan Allen out there this evening for Justin Herbert and company? You know, Keenan Allen's hamstring was listed as a minor injury, but there was a re-aggravation in practice. He's listed as doubtful, which means he is not going to play. Joey Bosa is out with his groin surgery. And for the Chargers, also their left tackle, Rashawn Slater, is out. Yeah. So there is are some key injuries for the Chargers. And don't forget, Justin Herbert is still dealing with his rib cartilage issue, although the Chargers have seemed to figure out how to treat that, block that, and get that pretty comfortable for game day. So a few issues on the Chargers, but more on the Broncos side. It's going to be interesting. It's a 45 and a half total tonight that over under between the bolts and the broncos given what we have seen out of denver's offense and maybe some concern for the chargers offensively do we get there well the chargers have been putting up points still so far this season quickly here dr chow we mentioned it with cooper rush and dak prescott if cooper rush would have been able to pull off the upset last night in philly maybe it delays dak prescott's timeline as we look at the new england patriots now bailey zappi has been sensational for bill belichick in the past what does that do for the timetable of mac jones's return if they're comfortable having zappy out there look if look mac jones could play this week he was close this past week he's ready to go next week but maybe not quite 100 percent. so this may be a case where coaches will quote hide behind health and say no no take your time on your ankle 
and give this guy another week and uh, let's see what happens. But obviously, if Bailey Zappi wasn't playing well, they probably would play an 85% Mac Jones. But a healthy Bailey Zappi might be greater than a uh, not 100% Mac Jones at this point in time. An extra day of rest for New England as well. They are playing Monday night football next week at home in Foxborough against the Chicago Bears, a seven and a half point spread. The pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, as always, we appreciate your time here on this Monday on Sportsman. Plenty more to come here on the morning after. Up next on Sportsman. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A Monday night football preview. Tonight in Los Angeles between the Bolts and the Broncos, an AFC West showdown. And yes, you heard me correctly, Denver back in prime time. Yay! Well, we'll find those prop angles for you to make Monday night very exciting. We will do that now here on this Monday, live on the morning after on Sports Grid with FanDuel's Tom Becchio. Tom, thank you very much for joining us on this Monday morning. We look forward to Monday night football. Postseason baseball action still continuing, even with a game five on this Monday between the Yankees and the Guardians. Basketball, the NBA begins tomorrow and NHL season well underway. A busy time for the man that we know as the jack of all trades in Tom Vecchia. Yeah, thanks for having me. Certainly a busy time, uh, another week and another time to watch the Denver Broncos in prime time, like you said. Uh, let's get to it. Four and a half, Tom, favor in L.A. tonight for the Chargers at home with a total at 45 and a hook. How do you evaluate the spread and the total and what it might mean for you in the prop market? So tonight's game comes down to one simple thing, uh, which you just touched on with your last guest, uh, Dr. David Chow. Uh, it comes down to the health of Russell we- uh, Russell Wilson, not Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson um if he's healthy this game should be close if he's not healthy and the shoulder the side whatever it is is still an issue then this game is going to be an ugly one from the broncos side of things and this line at four and a half is probably too small for the chargers they could win this game by 10 plus points if russell wilson is not able to get out there so solely comes down to the health of him what we're going to be seeing from their offense and that in turn you know kind of indicates what we could be seeing from the chargers offense because if they don't need to push the ball downfield then we could be seeing some unders i do i am cautiously optimistic on this one so i do like some overs in this game so tom as it stands right now the broncos have not played week number six but currently the worst scoring offense in the national football league only averaging 15 points per game their team total tonight is 20 and a half you mentioned cautiously approaching that denver broncos offense knowing the struggle so far this year how do you look at their offensive props for tonight's game against the chargers uh, again, I, I'm still expecting them to be passing the ball. Melvin Gordon is coming into this game a bit banged up. Even though we have seen uh, Wilson be you know, kind of bad this year, we still see Cortland Sutton playing a big role in their passing offense. He's playing on 91% of the snaps, running around a 96% of the dropbacks. He has a 28% target share. More importantly, he has a 41% air yard market share and along with a 12.8 ADOT, which is average depth of target. So when they do pass the ball, it's often going to Cortland Sutton. So I like the over on 
168 and a half receiving yards tonight and sitting at minus 113. He has long receptions of 30 yards or more in four of the five games this season, and he has been over this mark in four of the five games this season. So despite Wilson not looking amazing, when they do pass the ball, it goes to Sutton, and he's racking up a good amount of yards this year. So, Tom, I think it's a really great way of approaching Russell Wilson right now. Of course, the lat injury that he had a small surgery on following Thursday night football last week. Maybe that explains the poor performance so far. As we look at Russ's stats for tonight against L.A., how do you evaluate Russell Wilson? And then how did that get you to where things stand with Cortland Sutton in the prop market tonight? So, for me, Wilson tonight is just a complete stay away. I I have no interest in his props. It's waiting to see if he's actually fully healthy because even if he's not fully healthy after the procedure he had done even if it's the wilson that we saw in the first few weeks of the season sutton was still able to get there on the overs even with wilson not at 100 percent bad play calling whatever it might be so i would side with the receivers because again they still have to pass the ball and hypothetically even if wilson isn't in there sutton would still be the top target if a backup quarterback comes in so Sutton has been getting there in spite of Wilson not being 100%. So I would side with the receivers, not go anywhere near Russell Wilson's props. It's a really good look. It's a way of still looking at the Broncos offense, even with Russ's struggles, and still finding some ability here in that market. Austin Eckler right now, Tom, if you have him on your fantasy team, you're thrilled by what you have seen. He is a dual threat running back, both involved in the ground game for the Chargers and certainly through that passing attack as well his numbers are high 59 and a half for tonight but it's everything he can do from the line of scrimmage how do you cap austin eckler and what he has in his value in the prop market so anytime touchdown minus 140 that's a little bit too rich for me not a spot that i would be going uh the broncos are pretty good at stopping the ball in the rushing game so i actually and they're also you know pretty good uh overall at stopping the passing but i would probably look to eckler's combined rushing and receiving yards uh, whatever that might be around, I assume it's going to be in the 70s or 80s. Uh, I would look there if the juice is right. We know he's going to be seeing about 20 total touches per game. He's going to have involvement in the passing game. We know that uh, uh, Keenan Allen is doubtful to play in this, so there should be some targets for him. So not the passing or the rushing, it's the combined, because we know he can get there if the game script, especially if it stays close. Some very interesting math currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 59 and a half is that rushing yards prop for Austin Eckler. His receiving yards prop just became available. It's 37 in a hook to to combine both of those, rushing plus receiving. That's 101 and a half right now for Austin Eckler. So you're paying for it if you think he can do a little bit of everything from the line of scrimmage this evening. So that's where it stands for Austin Eckler in the prop market. But Tom, you gave us some of your favorite bets for tonight, Monday Night Football. We're looking at Cortland Sutton, but also that connection offensively for Justin Herbert and his favorite target out there in Mike Williams. What are the other plays for Monday night? So Herbert over 35 and a half passing attempts is a a market that I go to often. He's averaging 40 passing attempts on the season. He only had 34 last week. The Chargers also last week had a 50.1 pass play percentage, which was noticeably lower than the 61% pass play percentage that they have overall on the season. So expecting a little bit of positive regression for Herbert. Uh, Herbert, as I said, the, the Broncos do have a good run defense, and when push comes to shove, Herbert's going to be passing the ball as they trust him to kind of air it it out, you know, over 40 Mm -hmm. passing attempts many times this season. So over 35 and a half with only minus one weight is a spot that I love. And then Mike Williams scored touchdown at plus 130. This is a somewhat difficult matchup for him in terms of a quarterback. As I've said before, I value those less and less. 
We still want to be looking to Mike Williams because he has a 19.4% red zone target share, a 23% target share overall, and those numbers increase when Keenan Allen is off the field, as he is expected tonight. We also see Mike Williams with a 37.8 air yard market share, so the big play potential is always there for Mike Will at plus 130. is a spot that I absolutely love tonight. Not the fact that I need him on my fantasy team as well, but objectively uh, with 11 and 13 targets over the last two weeks is a, and no touchdowns, more importantly, is a spot that I want right. to go. That volume is certainly huge for the handicap of any wide receiver. Justin Herbert's longest pass tonight is 35 and a half. It's a number he has gone over in all five games. That deep threat to Mike Williams is always there. 35 and a hook, Tom, for the passing attempts prop for Justin Herbert always catches my eye because of how many times he had a pass attempt last year. He averaged more than 41 during certain stretches of that season. 35 and a half, the under has the juice. There's an expectation then that he doesn't throw the ball all that much tonight, but his low for passing attempts has happened twice this year, but it's 34. So that volume there for Justin Herbert as well. So Tom, we also have playoff baseball continuing on. Game five, winner take all. Tonight inside Yankee Stadium between the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees. When it's a winner-take-all game for all the marbles for the final spot in the American League Championship Series, Tom, what does that do for your handicap in the prop market as you look at this game tonight between the pinstripes and the Guardians? Uh, it would be the under overall on the game, and it would, you know, it's tough to take unders on total bases just because, you know, in theory, a, a player getting a, a bloop single, as we've seen plenty of times for the Guardians yeah. throughout this series, uh, those can be like, that can just ruin the prop right there. So ultimately I think this is a stay away for me just because I'm a Yankees fan. But again, we have, I would say two non-ace pitchers going, as I've said before, we want to be leaning on the unders on their strikeouts. The guardians have, uh, I think it's a, they're 29th or 28th or 30th in the league in terms of strike rate versus right-handed pitching. They're super, super disciplined at the plate. Jameson Tyone is not a big strikeout pitcher. So I'd be willing to go on the yeah. under on his strikeouts. Uh, maybe you want to take the over on, I don't know, an over on Rizzo total bases as long as that plus money and over on Jose Ramirez, just like one of their more consistent hitters. That would be the spot that I would yeah. go, but very, very cautious overall. Aaron Savali gets the start for the Guardians tonight. His strikeout prop is three and a half. The under a slight bit of juice. Jamison Tyone on the other side for New York. Also three and a half for that K prop. The under is substantially juiced at minus 174. But Tom, I would agree. The hooks are going to be quick tonight in game five. But it's not aces of the staff out there. Certainly for Cleveland, who might have Shane Bieber in reserve. And the strength of that Cleveland staff is the back end of the bullpen you are a jack of all trades nba starts tomorrow nhl underway any other looks in the marketplace on this monday night yeah starting off for tomorrow tyrese maxi over two and a half made threes it's sitting at plus 110 right now tyrese maxi has the second shortest odds at plus 1200 to win the most improved players so this is a player that realistically should be taking a large step forward in the 76ers offense we know that Embiid and Harden are going to be eating up a lot of usage but Maxi should be their starting point guard and realistically two and a half made threes with plus money is a little bit too low if we make that connection between the season-long award and the role that he should be playing so we could see this line move to three and a half or it's gonna be two and a half you know heavily juiced uh in a week or two like this could change very quickly so I like 
over two and a half made threes for Maxi. Jordan Poole over 18 and a half points is sitting at minus 120. They just gave him mm-hmm. a big extension. He has the shortest odds to win the sixth man of the year. So a player that should be running the offense for the Warriors when Steph Curry is off the court. And then tonight in the NHL, Alexander Ovechkin has gone three games into the season and he hasn't scored a goal tonight. His goal odds are at plus 116. Great time to get plus money on Ovi to score a goal. And then Kirill Kaprizov for the Minnesota Wild over three and a half shots, sitting at minus 106. The Wild are expected to win, uh, you know, uh, be in the, the playoff hunt, be in the playoff picture, and they haven't won a game yet. So they need their best offensive player to put up some shots. How about the jack of all trades? Ending that out right there, FanDuel's Tom Beckett with four NBA and NHL plays. Tom, we appreciate you as always. More TMA next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live right here all the morning after on SportsGrid. On this Monday, we set up the week that is to come by looking back on the weekend that was in the world of sports. And it's a huge week in the world of sports with the NBA season starting, the NHL season underway, playoff baseball continues, and of course, it's the fall. It's football season. You need all the advice and the odds you can get, and that comes from our advisor, our sportsbook conciliary, live right here on a Monday on TMA. It is Dave Sherapan getting ready for game number five tonight inside Yankee Stadium. A winner-take-all game with the final spot in the ALCS up for grabs. Dave, is this you saying the Yankees are going to win tonight at home in game five and advance to take on the Astros just as we all have predicted all season long? No, absolutely not. No, it was just the first reflection of last night. Gotcha. Yeah, a little bit of reflection last night. You, you, you told me, Frizio sends me to stuff, and he says, you know, this is what we're going to hit, so this is what we came with. Penn State lost to Michigan. Otherwise, you know I'd be in the Penn State stuff because we're all so. about the college football here every yep. week with you. But, um, yeah, game five tonight. I mean, anytime there's a game series decider, right. it's big handle, it's big stuff, and – you know, it's against the Chargers and the Broncos. So I think we'll be okay baseball-wise. We'll get some action. And it's the Yankees. And I look good in this stuff. So there's yeah, the background on why I'm wearing it. I mean, you look good in anything. You rock Joe Burrow's glasses for some time. Ooh. I mean, you can do it all, Dave Sherapan. You are a chameleon. We'll get to tonight and what that line looks like for game number five yeah. and how that all comes to be in a winner take all deciding game the two best words in a division series game five but let's go back to the nfl because you're wearing the yankees stuff we look at penn state and michigan of course from college football all that goes into the microcosm behind you though dave sherapan which is nighttime in pittsburgh and yesterday in the afternoon in pittsburgh it was the steelers pulling off the upset as an eight and a half point home underdog against tom brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dave Sherapan, what was your reaction to the 20-18 to outright victory for Pittsburgh at home yesterday? One, I couldn't believe it, but two, there was a couple big-time throws made at the end of that game in the fourth quarter by Mitchell Trubisky. And I thought, are we back? Like, um, should we be adjusting the odds to 
win the division again? Like, or I don't know. There's not they're not that far away, and uh, you know, string it together yeah. a couple wins, and you go okay. And then the other takeaway is that Tampa's in trouble. Tampa, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, right? Like, you got to start talking about things like that, where you go, yeah. okay. Who is the best team in the NFC? Because it's not Tampa Bay, but is no. it their NFC South um, competitor, the Atlanta Falcons? Is this team for real? It's the only team in the league that's undefeated against the spread. Falcons are six and zero, and they're coming. So I don't know, man. Like that was really, really um, <laughs> eye-opening on both on both counts, not just the Steelers. Yeah but also the Buccaneers. It was a huge day of underdogs yesterday, Sheriff. And the Steelers yes. winning outright as an eight-and-a-half-point underdog. Cool. Those dirty birds you mentioned winning outright as a five-and-a-half-point underdog. The Falcons at home against the San Francisco 49ers. The New York Jets for a second straight week. A huge upset of Green Bay by a New York team. Football in the Empire State and in New Jersey is looking pretty good. 27-10 over the Green Bay Packers, a seven and a half point dog was gang green yesterday on the road in Lambeau. Another outright win. Sherpan, the Jets are four and two this year. They've been booked yeah. as an underdog in all six games, which means all four of their victories outright as an underdog. When we see a huge day of the dog in the National Football League on one given Sunday, how do you anticipate the market will react the following Sunday in terms of those lines being set? Uh, well, I mean, I think betters will tend to, you know, drift towards trying to find outright dogs to bet on. The books won't do anything different except just, um, you know, print the reports and count the winnings. It's really easy. When the dogs win outright, it wipes out the teasers. It wipes out the money line parlays. And um, you'll probably see a lot more boosts. There'll be a lot more action. Listen, it's been a pretty good season in the NFL. Uncertainty. And dogs winning outright is just what the doctors ordered from the for, yeah. for the books, not so much for the betters. Now, the rhombuses and the parallelograms will find their way to uh, to those dogs, but I think you'll start to see some numbers come down a little bit too. Whereas the Jets win with a close seven in Green Bay. I mean, they're three and a half point dogs at Denver. Now, if Denver wins tonight. Um, maybe this will go up a little bit, but I think as a book, you got to kind of cautiously move the Jets. Jets are a pretty good football team. Give them complete credit. It's going to pain me. I mean, the Giants are good. The Jets are good. The Rangers may be the best team in hockey. The Yankees win tonight. A lot of New York stuff here, Benjamin. I don't know if I'm ready for all this. It's a really good point because how does the market then react to teams that are overperforming on those preseason priors, on those expectations? When you look at the AFC East divisional odds, it's still the Buffalo Bills at minus 800 to win the division. We're not saying the Jets are going to contend, and the odds certainly don't lay it out as such, but it's not just in this divisional market. It could be in the make playoff odds for both the Jets and the Pats who won outright as a two-and-a-half-point underdog on the road in Cleveland yesterday so a good time for football in the state of new york the buffalo bills are five and one the giants five and one the jets four and two the syracuse orange a perfect unbeaten six and god about will them, it can, 
I mean, how could you? That's an oversight on your point. Will it be a continued good time in New York in terms of baseball? Game number five tonight, Yankee Stadium. Those Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians. And right now, Dave, the Yankees a minus 166 favorite to win game number five and advance to the ALCS. When you're in the risk room, is there any difference in the process of setting a line for a winner-take-all elimination game? Not too often. Uh, some guys might um, pump the total up a little bit in certain mm. sports. Other guys might want to bring it down. Um, I've had that discussion about you know putting a little bit of extra on the favorite, you know, the home team, just because that's the way people are going to bet it. But uh, that's 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 my fault for for not even mentioning Syracuse. I apologize. It feels like everywhere you go, with all these Syracuse graduates and everything oh. in this space, you guys mentioned Syracuse enough. So I'm not part of that. <laughs> not part of that. I just went to a state school at Penn State. Right. It's, it's, I'm just trying to do the best I can. So I um, mean, if I may interject here, if Penn State would have won in the big house this past Saturday, you would have been wearing a Penn State jersey on national television. So forbid 100%. me, sorry, that I mentioned Syracuse. Perfect 6-0. <laughs> no, is there a graphic for Syracuse? Is there, is there a graphic anywhere yeah, we, for this? We, we talked about the 13.5 point spread that I find – frankly disrespectful in Clemson's favor this Saturday in Death Valley. Syracuse 13-5 well, against the spread in the last two seasons in college football. It's the third best cover percentage in all the country. So, yeah, that's the graphic. There is – it's going to be a lot of orange in this game. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be – that's one oh. thing for sure. There's going to be a lot of orange. Is this – lot? I mean, other than the disrespect, does this really seem high? Do you think that Syracuse is going to go down there and actually stay within two scores of Clemson? Seriously? Yes. Yes, I do. I do. Do they I have a shot to win outright? Otherwise. Do they have a shot to win outright? So this is Syracuse's brand of football now. It is a good defense, which we will see, and we did see against NC State. Syracuse top 10 in the country in both scoring defense and total defense so far this year. Yes. They will need to be that really good defense against Clemson. Clemson also very good defensively, and Syracuse wants to slow down the pace at times with Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker dominating in the backfield. So I think by that idea, if Syracuse can keep this game tight, focusing on the ground game and that good defense, yes, that could keep it within a two-touchdown margin. Can they score enough points to win? The total's 51.5, right? Can they score enough points to win? Yep. Uh, All right. That remains to be seen, but I think they can cover <laughs> the 13.5-point spread. All right, let's flip it back to baseball here, Sharon, because we're looking for that final spot in the ALCS, but we know who is playing in the National League Championship Series. Against all odds, the San Diego Padres will host the Philadelphia Phillies. So, Dave, what is the approach as we get ready for an NLCS, the first best-of-seven series that we have in the postseason? What is that approach for the series prices as opposed to the individual games? Uh, A lot of times you got to price out what you think the prices will be per game and then kind of, you know, reverse engineer it and figure out who's pitching is the hardest part. Like who's pitching when is the hardest part when they don't give it to you up front. The Phillies haven't even named a starter yet for game one. Right. So um, there's a couple good bets right there. Total games, six games, that has to be the favorite. That's, you know, that's always the one yeah. that it feels like it ends on. 
And um, boy, oh boy. Trying to pick the correct outcome with the team, that's a skill shot right there. That's a skill yeah. shot, boys. If you can do that one, that's that's uh, that pays off well. But this is going to be a great series. I mean, who would have thought before that the five and the six seed would have been in the NLCS? I know certain people would have thought that. Um, mm. It's going to work out okay for those people. Dodger fans, sorry. Braves, oh well. I mean, the ATL, it's just it's, at least you got the Falcons. And, um, you know, we're, we're done with New York baseball in, in the National League. This is this is East Coast, West Coast. This is everything I think you could want and hope for in a series. I think there's going to be a few unders in this series, Benjamin. I think it's going to be lower scoring, tight series, especially mm. out here in San Diego. Especially after what the Phils gave us offensively against the Braves and a ton of 5-3 finals between the Dodgers and the Padres, three of the four games, in fact, finishing at 5-3. to three. So, Dave, right now, as you look at the World Series market, the Astros are sitting and waiting and watching what happens inside Yankee Stadium tonight like the rest of us. They're the favorites to win the World Series at plus 140. Where we stand on the brink of the championship series in Major League Baseball, how would you advise people about the timing of still investing in the futures market to pick the World Series champion? If you like Cleveland, you have to bet them today because that 13 to 1 becomes the Yankees' price or maybe even a little bit less tomorrow if they win. If you like the Yankees, you should probably invest in them tonight before they win. Uh, the other ones, uh, I mean, the Hutsmakers are telling you right there between the Padres and the Phillies that nobody knows Squadoosh. I mean, that's yep. one of those ones you don't have to do anything with. The Astros are a prohibitive favorite. And there's a lot of people rooting against them, <laughs> including a lot of the books that Mattress Mac visited this summer, too. So <laughs> keep that one in mind as well. It will be so interesting to hear where the liability is for all of these teams now as we get ready for the ALCS and the NLCS in Major League Baseball. Dave, thank you so much. More TMA next. See you. Go, go Syracuse. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on this Monday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Monday Night Football rounds out week number six of this NFL season. The Denver Broncos back in primetime. The Broncos have now played a primetime game four of the first six weeks of this NFL season. The Denver Broncos that have the worst scoring offense in the entirety of the National Football League averaging just 15 points per game at this point. But still in primetime. It's still football. And we're still excited by what we are seeing on the other side for the Los Angeles Chargers and looking into the prop market that way. 
There's a lot that I love for LA. I'll give up a a few of my thoughts here before we end out this show. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for multiple Monday Night Football Best Bets. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. So the first bye-bye-bye best bet, maybe the truest of them, as I will offer up a few of these thoughts here, is Austin Eckler. Trying to get invested with Austin Eckler somewhere in the prop market because he has been so good from the line of scrimmage this year, both in the receiving game and in the rushing game for the LA Chargers. Austin Eckler's rushing yards prop, that is 59 and a half, but I look at his portion of the passing attack for the Bolts. Four and a half total receptions is his prop to go over that number, which he has done three of five games for the Bolts this year. And the two unders just at four, but he was still targeted four times in those games, which means the volume is there. Also looking at Justin Herbert over on his longest pass completion tonight, 35 and a half. He has gone over that in all five games and 35 and a half for his passing attempts prop as well he throws the football a ton over in three of five so let's get invested on the bolts in the prop market for monday night football thank you for joining us here on tma on this monday we'll be back tomorrow on a tuesday at 9 a.m eastern time i'm ben stevens we'll talk next